0: Recorded live.
1: Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 72 is recorded live June twenty third, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. We have a full news week going on, but uh, before we get on that, we have a special guest this week. We have John Faulkner from Intel to give us some information on Project Ship Hunt. How are you doing today, John?
2: Good, Darren. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing great. We've got some nice weather here in the the Midwest. Probably not as good as what you're used to out there in sunny California, (laughs) but uh, this is our time of the year now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we you got to live it up. I'm from the East Coast originally. I'm from uh Connecticut, so uh, I know I know what it's
1: like. Yes, certainly. Um so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh Project Ship Hunt?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um Project Ship Hunt is the second installment really in a, in a series, an annual series of collaboration between Sony and Intel. Last year in 2010, we did the Rocket Project, which brought a group of high school kids together uh, with the challenge of launching a rocket that the kids built um, into the stratosphere using only a Sony via laptop with an Intel Core processor. and They did it. Um, they were successful. It was um, an incredible uh, experience for the kids. It was a, It was a great campaign for the two companies. And so when we were thinking about what to do together this year, we wanted to extend that, uh, that theme of exploration. And since we had gone up, we figured we'd go down this time and uh, go underwater. And we started talking to NOAA and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute and um, – Landed on Michigan, on, on the Great Lakes as a great place uh, to try to find some previously undiscovered shipwrecks. Last year's rocket project was a big success. Um, it, was, um, it was it was the kids achieved their mission, um, got a rocket up into uh, the stratosphere, and um, so anyway, we when we got to thinking about what we'd do this year. Going under the water was a was a natural progression we thought. And um, we quickly arrived at Michigan and, and the Great Lakes is a great place and Shipwreck Alley specifically off of Alpena. Um, Alpina. And so uh we started talking to Noah and Woods Hole and um they had a couple of they they were great, very cooperative, very eager to participate and um had a couple of wrecks that they wanted to dive that hadn't previously um they hadn't previously been to and so uh we got a group of kids together a new group this year and um sent them out there with um james delgado of um noah as the project lead and um it was a, a another big success and um the kids actually uh did better than expected and and we should have a, a an announcement on on how they did very soon
1: oh that's great you you, you said that uh you know, hopefully they're going to discover a new wreck. So you're equipping them with some gear that will help them do that?
2: Yes, absolutely. So uh, they went out on a research vessel. NOAA, the National Oceanographic and uh, Atmospheric Administration, has a research facility in Alpena, um, a Thunder Bay research facility. and. Um so they, they they used that as a home base, um and the kids went out on a NOAA research vessel, spent a few days with uh jim delgado and and NOAA scientists and um ended up uh coming across um at least one i'll say uh shipwreck
1: you were saying it was something that they it was a wreck that they knew where it was, but that they had done a little bit more research and and found the exact location.
2: Right, so
0: they didn't. They had a good idea of where this wreck was. Um, they weren't. Uh, they didn't have it pinpointed, and they hadn't um, dove to the wreck. So this was going to be a, a process of uh, pinpointing it, and then and then making the dive.
1: So uh, yeah. they they were using uh, side scan sonar then, and they were able to locate the wreck. And then they yeah, actually they got it. The, did the uh, did the students get the chance to dive on the wreck or was it uh, left up to the professional divers?
0: That was left up to the professionals. The, the students went out on the research vessel and help the scientists on board with the imaging software. So the NOAA scientists were using um, uh, sonar 3D imaging software and uh, sonar and radar um, 3D imaging software to produce a pretty amazing 3D image of of the wreck. Um, And so the students were on board helping with that portion uh, while NOAA divers were in the water. Uh,
1: Can you tell us anything about the wreck they did find?
0: Um, so I know, um, I know the name of the wreck they did find, uh, and, and the history behind it, which is, um, a pretty cool one. We are, um, uh, making a formal announcement, uh, very shortly in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not, I'm not supposed to release that information, okay. but, um, it will be available. Um, what we've done is, uh, we've. Taped the entire thing. Um, there's some pretty incredible video coming out over the next few weeks, um, just on sonycom hunt. and um, pretty soon we'll, we'll reveal uh, the ship that the students found. Excellent.
3: Is where is the, where is the ship
0: located? Um, it's in Lake Huron. It's it's uh, just off the coast of Alpena.
3: Okay, that's done. okay. Now I know where you're talking.
1: So how how long did the yeah. uh, program actually go on? How long were they were the students on the ship?
0: It was only um, over the course of about three or four days, and uh, and it took place uh, just a few weeks ago.
1: Was weather a factor?
0: Um, the weather pretty much cooperated. Um, it was it was a little overcast, a little chilly, but nothing worse than that.
1: So what's up next? Uh, so you got the announcement coming out in a few weeks. Is there any other follow up yep. that will happen because of Ship Hunt?
0: Sony and Intel are starting to talk about what to do next year. Uh, Certainly, you know, we, over the next, in the near term, over the next couple of weeks, we'll uh, be releasing uh, these sort of video um, episodes uh, onto the website uh, to, to let people um, see everything that went down on the actual ex- expedition. And then um, in, the, in the background, Sony and Intel are talking together about uh, uh, what to do next here. We, we'd certainly like to continue this um, this expedition series. We just have to figure out what kind of expedition we'd like to do next.
1: So we'll be looking forward to yeah. uh, to those press releases and the the video articles as they come out
0: yeah absolutely um, we're, there'll be a series of, of um, pretty fun web videos uh, we just released the first one uh, a couple of days ago just at the beginning of this week so it's kind of a fun little teaser video of, of what's to come
1: and and when that comes out we'll go ahead and uh, do a link onto that so uh, you know follow us in our show notes and we'll, we'll link out there and so you can pick up a <laughs> Uh, some of those Absolutely,
0: videos. Absolutely, yeah. Is this that's the one
3: James it. Delgado? What is it? Gato D E L G A D O. Is he, that's the one you, you guys were talking about?
0: Uh, yeah, Jim Delgado uh, Del- was our was our lead scientist.
3: Yeah, now I know the one you're talking.
0: Yep, and I'll actually be in New York City with Jim and Sony in mid July around another ship hunt themed event. That's
3: an interesting ship, though, that you guys
0: are looking at. Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show, John. Uh, and if you have anything else, any, any updates or anything, go ahead and send them on to us, and we'll get them posted, and uh, we'll cover them here on the show.
0: Oh, it's been my pleasure, definitely. Um, I'll I'll follow you guys and um, and uh, let you know um, of all of our developments.
1: Excellent. And then, uh, again, the website was uh, sony.com forge slash shiphunt.
0: Yep, that's
1: it. Okay, great. Thank well, you. thank you,
0: guys. Great talking to you, and uh, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Have a good one. Yep, bye.
3: Bye. Aaron, have, have you seen a picture of that one yet? Not yet. Would you like to see one? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just <laughs> got in on the tail end of that one. Delgado, Del, I'm trying to think how to, how to say his name again. These mm-hmm. on a couple of items that were a little bit of controversy on a ship from Indonesia, as I remember. That's, that's another one that's interesting. But uh, I came across a picture of um, a side view pictorial of uh-huh. uh, that ship. And that's the one up in Thunder Bay, isn't it? in the National Marine uh, Sanctuary website or the area? Yep. yep.
1: yep. Okay. So the now we'll, we'll go ahead and get into the news. Uh, the first episode that we have up on there is a uh, crackdown on illegal snorkeling.
3: The title is intriguing.
1: Yeah, Crackdown. There's just something about the word Crackdown altogether in the same sentence that is just interesting.
3: I just wonder if that's, you know, do you associate that with violent felons or what?
1: It could be, I guess. But, uh, you know, (laughs) you you know how dangerous those uh, ruthless renegade snorkelers are. So uh, this is from the Times of India. I'm sorry, Mac?
3: I I was going to say, I... I'm not really sure where this is coming from. I understand <laughs> what they're saying, but it's like only professionals trained and certified by the Maharishi Tra something tourism yeah. development corporation will be permitted to undertake these activities. Yeah. It says but this put the lives of tourists at risk snorkeling. Yep.
1: yep. The times of India has reported that, uh, the state government has decided to crack down, crack down on the whip against illegal snorkeling on beaches. So I, I there, there's so many grammatical errors. I'm I'm guessing that it will. You know, this this is from the same people who give us our tech support. So, ooh, you see there. Yeah. So snorkeling and scuba diving has been popular with tourists there. Uh, on Thursday, they issued the instructions that only professionals that are trained and certified. Uh, which uh, does that mean payback?
3: Uh no, I'm not going go to go there. But then again, it could be.
1: It could be. So uh, they put the lives of tourists at risk. So um, my guess is if I was to paraphrase the article and write it the way they should, is that they want to regulate the tour operators who are providing snorkeling and scuba diving to make sure that they meet certain standards, uh, i.e. fees, and make sure that it's done properly. So
3: I can understand the scuba, Absolutely. But snorkeling? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm thinking they just didn't know what the difference was between the two. Okay, the next one is underwater weddings are the height of fashion. So uh, it seems like these are these are kind of common in news, and I only cover about every 50th of them. But uh, it seems to be that getting married underwater seems to be a novel approach. And I'm all for it if it gets more people into the, the dive sport. But that doesn't seem to be anything that we have up here in Michigan. When was the last time we heard of somebody in Michigan getting married in a dive?
3: And maybe it was damn cold.
1: <laughs> yeah?
3: Not? I can't really think of any. can't think of any.
1: So scuba diving weddings on the Italian Riviera with the Oren Express Hotel and Splendido. I said that... Uh, it's getting to be popular again. Fairy tale weddings are more conventional. Maritime themes. Couples can make triumphant entrance into Portofino Harbor aboard a luxury yachts. Diving brings life stories of pirates, battles at sea, ancient shipwrecks. So, a- after a, on the day of the ceremony, newlyweds are pampered with delicious brunch accompanied by musical entertainment, followed by sunset cruises. So again, you know, as long as it gets more divers in, I'm all for it. I just don't see it i mean I, I think it's one of those things it's kind of like maybe the first few people who do it it's interesting
3: it, it's not a mainstream i don't think no and i I think the ones i normally see around here are related to some other activity so it's more about a, uh, a publicity stunt enhancing something else
1: yeah but and, again,
3: looking at the pictorial here, it, it's obvious that if you got warm water, visibility, and backgrounds like you have here, I can see going under there and, and either having a ceremony or pictures taken, or you're on your uh, honeymoon and you're you're doing those events collectively for the individual. I think it, it's it's interesting, but yeah. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, and I almost wonder if it might be. I mean, I've noticed that people who seem to do the unusual weddings, it tends to not be their first marriage.
3: Okay, that part I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I, I always see people who are doing the, you know, the Harley weddings or they're doing it on a motorcycle or, you know, all, all these events. And it seems just to be, you know, usually uh, uh, not the first wedding.
3: Well, uh, from skydiving, it's not unusual to have weddings in the air. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily the first weddings or their weddings are weddings. But I think part of the reason is that's their sport. That, that's basically their lifestyle. And that's why they do the jump wedding. Uh, yeah. I can understand it for those who are diehard, hardcore mm-hmm. people. It makes sense because that's their lifestyle.
1: Well, that would be their lifestyle or maybe that's how they met. Maybe they yeah. met scuba diving and yeah. just a good way of, of.
3: And like you said on the Harley divers, if you're a, if you're a Harley driver, hey, that's the way to go.
1: Yeah. The advice I always had before before we we got married was everybody said elope. <laughs> so maybe this is the the new eloping.
3: Yeah, well, I have ladders in my garage for my kids
1: those yeah. folks on the top. Eloping is a lot cheaper. <laughs>
3: well, I mean, nothing against the the the. Uh the big marriages and stuff, but I'd rather have the money spent on something more tangible and long-term like down payment on house or new furniture, you know,
1: or a set of doubles
3: or doubles rebreather, <laughs> or something, you know, something yeah. tangible and dry suit. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that part.
1: Yeah, certainly. I, I could, I definitely with you there. Yeah. My wife and I were fortunate. We were one of the first ones married. So there was no competition at that point yet. <laughs> it seems like every wedding I've, I've gone to since then has gradually gotten more expensive.
3: I think part of that could have been as the, I won't say fluency of the people, but it wasn't that way when I got married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one up on the list is Avatar director named National Geographic Explorer. Uh, James Cameron, who did uh, Avatar and also he did that, that more recent uh, Cave movie. Um, is been named a National Geographic Explorer in Residence. The title uh, means as much to him, he said, as his Oscar for Avatar and Titanic. He said, I could think of nothing better than to be an ocean explorer. In fact, at the age of 16, living in a landlocked small town in Canada, 500 miles from the ocean, he got certified to scuba dive. I didn't even see the ocean for two more years I was scuba diving in a river, but it didn't matter. I had set my foot down the path of and at the end of my life a certain milestone the path is today. So uh we certainly love to see him as a scuba diver. I hear rumors that he's got more scuba based movies coming up. In fact I've heard the sequel to Amazon is going to be uh not Amazon, I said Amazon. Avatar is gonna have an underwater theme to it.
3: Oh, didn't hear that. I do know that I'd love to be part of what he's doing because he's going to be able to pilot that one-man submarine down to 11,000 meters. Have you seen that part of it?
1: Yeah, it says uh, Cameron's submersible will descend to the depths of the trench 11,000 meters or 36,000 feet below sea level at a rate of 700 feet per minute, six to seven times faster than most manned submersibles. Our goal is to be in the bottom in less than an hour, so we can spend six or seven hours in the bottom doing science, taking images. In- Images, core samples, discovering new species.
3: Now, that would be cool. A little scary, because when you start going down there, you keep thinking, I'm at thirty-thousand feet. If I get a leak, I am really royally in trouble, to put it mildly.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like he's, he's in a little bit of a competition with uh, billionaire Richard Branson's uh, project.
3: Oh, I don't know. I wonder what that's going to cost. So that all, that's all that got to be awesome, though. Yeah. I mean, that's down there where Bede did his, uh, you know, the submersible mm-hmm. years ago.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, that...
3: awesome, awesome items to see down there and take pictures of. Yeah.
1: The world at that depth is unforgiving. So I can't have any mistakes. So it's, it's great to see him doing that. Yeah. I would certainly volunteer myself. I don't know like if they it. want me in that type of a, of a space, though. <laughs>
3: Uh like to give that a shot. Thirty six thousand feet though is a little bit much for me, I think. I'd like to keep it down there and not five hundred foot looking for wrecks around here.
1: Well five hundred foot uh would would definitely keep us busy for a year. Easy.
3: Oh absolutely.
1: Plenty to see then. Now now can you mow the lawn in one of those or would you? <laughs> no. No, that
3: would be because you got to tow it out. Uh, You'll be able to go down and get some good pictures. I'm sure they've got some uh, 3D technology, and they've got, you know, sonar, or or I should say like radar even, so you can get side profiles and stuff. But I don't think you're going to mow the lawn the same way we're talking about up here. Not that you couldn't.
1: Okay, I think we'll skip one of the articles we had in the news, and we're going to jump to this next one, which is Pirates of Petaluma. The Dark History of Black Point sure Sunken t- Boats. What's that?
3: You can sure pick the title. <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
1: some of these, I they, they find me. I don't find them. But this one is uh, out there in California. And uh, let's see, what river do they say? Black Point. Um, da, 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 Sonoma, the, yeah. Sonoma, California. Yeah, it's the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department. Uh, so what they're doing is they're actually raising a vessel uh, they had two vessels that were sunk uh, near a bridge and they did a little bit of footwork and uh, they said part of it was uh, they had they did research in what they called folklore and uh, one of the people of from the epa called it urban legend they had their ears to the water they started asking questions of local marinas and the boating community and a lot of local knowledge that you wouldn't necessarily get. And what they're trying to do is is clean up some of the environmental hazards that might be ticking time bombs, which were namely some vessels that had sunk. And uh, so they went out with some some sonar and found them. So uh, what one of them came out was uh, there was a boat submerged for years and a local consciousness came to light with one of the wrecks. Uh, there was a 70-foot concrete bridge, the west side of the launch. Uh, they went and... Uh, Uh, basically clamshelled these wrecks. There had been a group of pirates that there had been known that were living by the docks. They owned one of the boats. Uh, They had been on a crime spree up and down the river. And then uh, at some point in time, after they were arrested in 2008, uh, the boat they were in had disappeared and sunk. So they had 50 pages of stolen property, vehicles, drugs, power tools, hand tools, a boat and a motor. And then the next boat that they found was a houseboat. Uh, It was one of those boats that just kind of anchors wherever. Uh, He had been kicked out of just about every marina in the area because he didn't have insurance. He finally docked up his houseboat against the bridge. And then at one time uh, it crashed and sank right there at the pier. And if you read in there, it says that they thought he was on the boat at the time when it happened. They said the cumulative effect of this, uh, meaning the waste and the rivers, that runs into the bay, which goes in the Pacific Ocean, which feeds into the food chain. Financing the cleanup, you estimated the cost to be $1 million.
3: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, two boats clamshelled is $1 million. Well,
3: I'm just reading this one part where it said, rotting barges and submerged boats may not seem like silent killers, but they're the reason the EPA was approached by Sonoma County for, you know, removal of those. And they were talking about hazards can be found on second-hand boats include motors, lead paint, propane, asbestos, household cleaning solvents, and electric waste. And I concur with that. But collectively speaking, when you look at all the stuff that is in the lakes like that and rivers, I don't think you could afford to spend a million dollars to get them up. You're talking, what, about a 40-foot boat, houseboat, plus the oven, which wasn't that large. That seemed like a lot of money
1: it seems like an awful lot of money and i bet you just in indiana or michigan or illinois alone legally industry is dumping a thousand times more every day in the river than what they're going to get from bringing up two boats yeah yeah you know, cuz we've got some of these steel plants that are putting a lot of waste in the water. What was the one down there in Indiana where they, they granted them the, the approval and it got everybody all worked up? I mean, that was that, that was like 100 tons a day.
3: Yeah, Well, I can see part of the price on this one. If you look at the size of that barge and the crane... Plus the tow boat you're you're talking that was a major freaking I don't want to say project, but piece of equipment they're using to to lift that out,
1: yeah well one one point they said that the it's a hundred and twenty five foot crane they yeah. had sonar, they had scuba divers, the crane was like four feet below the bridge deck when it moved through, said it cleared well, the yep. highway thirty seven bridge by four feet. you know this is uh, I mean, I hate to call it, I mean, I'm sure. Everybody thought they were doing their job, but this sounds like, uh, how do I get money into my area? So if I'm a congressman and I can convince them to come in, there's a, cr- a boat crane company that made a lot of money. and
3: I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of stuff, a lot of hoopla for a small gain.
1: Or maybe they were looking for something bigger and this was as good as they could come up with.
3: I don't know. Yeah.
1: So there, there's a million dollars. I'd have done it for 600000
3: <laughs> and been a lot cleaner huh
1: yeah yeah i had fun okay the next article is a sub to make first dive a 90 year old shipwreck today it says today this one is out of washington state i figured you'd like this one with a sub a crew of 21 not 21 a crew of about 12 launched a submarine from port hudson marina and towed it to the Fort Warden State Park on Tuesday in preparation for an initial dive to explore the 90-year-old wreck of the SS Governor. We launched the sub at the dock at 3 p.m. Tuesday. It's a 15-foot-long manned submersible. It's scheduled to make numerous dives, and what they're doing is they're looking for into the hull cresting 240 feet below the surface at Admiralty Inlets. Uh, the the uh, 417-foot steamer, steamship passenger liner, sank after being rammed by a freighter West Heartland just after midnight, April 1st, 1921. Eight people died, according to the City of Dreams, uh, published uh, Oh, the City of Dreams, A Guide to Port Townsend, which must be a book that was published in 1986. It carried 172 passengers with a crew of 124. Now, a crew of 124, that is a huge crew.
3: I would think so. Yeah,
1: even in 1921. I mean, that is a lot of crew. Uh,
3: what I don't I I understand going down surveying it all of this. What I don't understand was the last couple of paragraphs or sentences mm-hmm. where they ask about Perry said the company selected the vessel's final resting place to prepare for a similar expedition to a tanker lying off California coast. So what they're doing is using this meaning they're using the time of the submarine to go down and, and look at this wreck, which I thought was, what, 240 foot? hmm And they're doing surveys, and the purpose is so they will do a similar expedition off a tanker, of a tanker lying off the California coast, and the reason they're concerned with that is because the boat they're going to be looking at is supposed to have 70,000 barrels of oil on board.
1: Now, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, you it know, took we're... a minute
3: to read that and figure out what the heck are they doing and why, and yeah, but so, if, the only thing it doesn't tell me is how deep the other wreck is with the 70,000 barrels of oil, you know what I'm saying? Because if, if you need to practice, I understand it, but if the depth is comparable and you're not the transport time is not any major difference, why wouldn't you just go look at the other ship to begin with?
1: Well, it, it is a little bit different. The, that other vessel is the SS Governor. It's yeah. eight miles out at sea and nine hundred feet below. Yeah, I thought the same thing because I was originally thinking, well, that's you know that's even within you know technical diving depths, but nine hundred feet isn't. So they're using that as a warm up, probably like a shakedown, okay. get everybody all sense. get all used to it, try yeah. it out, and then go on out. So you know, for for us, eight miles isn't too bad. We've got a few wrecks that we go out that far here in Michigan, but nine hundred feet that is way deep.
3: Well, that's where the governor is. That's the, That's the one that. The 1921 wreck. How deep is the Montebello?
1: I think maybe there might be crossing.
3: Because they're saying the Ocean Gate Expedition will test the something, and it's a three-dimensional camera in circumstances akin to the to what the submarine will encounter when it dives through the SSS Montebello, an oil tanker torpedoed by the Japanese off the coast, off the California coast, in the early days of World War II. So,
1: oh, I, I'm sorry. No, you, you're right. The uh, the SS governor is the is the one... That's 240 feet. It's the Montebello that's 900 feet and eight miles out. So they said the the surveying the wreck is even more daunting than examining the governor. Right. Uh, okay. So that's that's what I did. I just misread that.
3: So it does make sense in, to work in shallow water to get your get your sea legs, get your plans worked out, get your survey you know practices and, and your your sequences right, and then go out to the deeper water. Makes yeah. sense.
1: Well, now the thing on this is uh, you know, since this is a, a vessel that the Japanese sunk in World War Two, uh, why don't they just uh, sue the Japanese government to pay for the cleanup? Don't I get mean, me
3: Don't get me started on that.
1: Well, because here, let me even open another can of worms. Let's say that instead of oil, that was gold.
3: Yeah, they'd want that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somebody oil not gold anyway. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so (laughs) it's all it's all dependent. You know, if it's a mummy, if it's gold, if it's emeralds, everybody wants it. Gold is
3: easier to get a gold bullion up than it is a barrel of oil.
1: Oh, I believe that. you got to believe that those barrels are probably, if they haven't already leaked out, they've got to be one touch and they go out.
3: Yeah, at 900 feet, 70,000 barrels from 1945-ish? Come on. Yeah. Uh, And I wonder, again, if that's the reason is because it does have the oil, and they're going to do a pre-survey to find out what happens if the oil ruptures. But it's like, how long have they known? Right. Why is it suddenly a problem? Who knows? Well, back then I I figured it must what was it twenty dollars a gallon? Yeah. A barrel. I'm twenty dollars a barrel, so it wasn't expensive. It wasn't enough to go get.
1: Oh, now it's worth it.
3: <laughs> yeah, now it's a pollution factor.
1: Okay, the next one up in is recreating Noah's Ark, and this one didn't have anything directly to do with scuba diving, other than when I look at this, I want to see it on the bottom. <laughs> So this is uh, over in the Netherlands. Uh, a man has built a massive. Like the I'm sorry, Mac.
3: Isn't this boat? I'm trying to think of the movie that I just saw a couple of weeks ago back on the tally, And it looks just like this one. There was a the movie. Where the guy made Noah's Ark and put the animals in it in the middle of Washington State. Yeah, there was a movie where
1: they were trying to, uh, you know, where that was kind of the theme of somebody building Noah's Ark.
3: And it looks just like this.
1: Uh, did it? <laughs>
3: yeah, that's what I thought was oh Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, supposedly this man, he he originally built one at half size just to kind of get the feel of it. It became so popular with people wanting to see it, he's actually towed it and sold uh, tours on the vessel, which paid for building uh, the full-sized one, which he is doing now. They're talking about, uh, what's that?
3: I was going to say, I wonder if he's got stuffed animals on board.
1: He actually does. He has animals. Uh, His his wife, he's told, does not want to know how much they are. Uh, She says she was amazed when he spent $11,000 for just one elephant. Uh, He he does have a smattering of real animals. He didn't do them in mass because he knew that PETA or somebody would go nuts on him. So uh, his uh, wife is saying, you have a lot of money invested in fake animals, don't you? And he says, you can't imagine.
3: Well, a million six out of pocket. He yeah. must have a couple of shekels to start with.
1: Well, he was a uh, con- uh, well-to-do construction person. Uh, it was uh, based on a dream or a revelation that he should build this. So he built really? the half size. Yeah, it was a dream twenty years ago, and uh, he built it half size in two thousand four. He's made enough money on tourists to go and build the full-sized one, which he's now completed. And they're talking about dragging it, dragging it, towing it up uh, the Tam, the Thames in the UK for the 2012 Summer Olympics he's working on getting permits. So, I was wondering if maybe you could get a grant, you know how they give you grants for uh, your disaster preparedness.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a flood coming, everybody to the ark.
3: See, where they got it at the end of that where they said uh, he's in negotiations with London officials to bring the ark down the Thames River for the 2012 Summer Olympics? Yes. That that'd still be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> I would I want to see on it. He he says uh, he plans to make the, uh, vessel, a first-class tourist attraction, complete with two conference rooms that will hold up to 1500 people. Wow. I mean, this is like the wooden version of a cruise ship.
3: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. You also notice there is no propulsion system.
1: Oh no. Well, I imagine if he did, well, he, he's got it. It's, it's zoned as a building because of its size. Plus I bet if he had it zoned, he had it zoned as a ship, it would never pass any maritime laws.
3: Yep, probably true.
1: I mean, you you figure everything you had to do. I mean, lifeboats, fire protection.
3: Yeah, uh, on a wood chip like that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, so uh, you're probably you're not allowed to have anybody in any volume ride on it. You probably just have to, to dock it and you get people on or off. But uh, Ark weighs a whopping 2,970 tons, constructed of Swedish pine. Did
3: it say the draft, how, how much water it displaces or how much it's got to have under its keel?
1: Oh, uh, let me see. I thought maybe I saw something on that. it uh,
3: sort of looks like a round bottom, doesn't it? Yeah. It's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, it's. It does kind of have that look.
3: And the way you're looking at that one picture, it looks like, it can, you know, once you got a little weight in it, it can go down that whole section. You see? Right. If you're looking at the picture.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like a waterline, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. So she looks like she's pretty much flat bottom, which one would think you might be that. Yeah. That's still got to be a looking awesome looking thing. Yeah. But the upkeep to keep that painted is going to be a bear.
1: Well, you can even see in the photo... Where you can tell where he did it in sections, you know, as he probably had money or time or seasoned. Uh, yeah, the roof
3: the, is the, new and the bow.
1: Yep, roof and bow are new and everything else a little older, a little bit older or weathered, I should say. So, but uh, you know, if he, you know, for a million, and I, I didn't think a a million and a half was really that bad for that ship. Uh, I was asking Jim S. what uh, the uh, friend's goodwill was, and I think they had a little over three million in that. Well, yeah, which for those who don't know, that's uh, a sailing vessel that was uh, is available here in South Haven, Michigan. Yeah. So but interesting. I I want to see it. And then also I was thinking uh, even more than one to see it to be in it. Yeah, I want to be in it, but then sink it. So that would make a nice attraction on the bottom. Always looking for a new dive spot.
3: How many deck levels did they have? That'd be interesting to know. <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know it, it just I mean
3: it looked a long way. I wonder if they got stairwells or uh, ladders fire poles to get down Well, he tried to sound like he
1: tried to make it authentic so I'm guessing it's probably got ramps. I mean how else would you get animals up and down in there?
3: Okay. yep that would make sense.
1: I mean I guess you could always you know butcher them and put them in a freezer but yeah you know, not really good for coming on the way out. Okay, the next one up is Michigan Great Lakes offers the best shipwreck diving in the world, which we knew that. This one was out of uh, the MLive.com website, uh, and they get they have a nice map. They they show the Michigan underwater preserves. They talk about all the, the great places to dive: Thunder Bay, the Thumb area, you know, the Straits uh, up by Sheboygan, where we go, Whitefish Point, uh, Marquette, and then if you notice there in the west side, they've got Southwest Michigan. Yep. So an excellent article uh, just kind of highlights uh, some of the vessels, the you know, Regina, the Cedarville. Uh, and then uh, at the very tail end, they talk about the Ironsides, uh, 1873 wrecked that uh, off of Grand Haven that we dove just a few weeks back.
3: Yeah, I like the picture of the um, up in the left hand corner mm-hmm. of Judge Hart. Yep. I'd like to see what that looks like now because I don't see one little zebra in there.
1: So you're saying that that might be a little bit older photo?
3: I've never seen, I haven't seen anything like that since I was diving 40 years ago.
1: Well, I've heard some rumors that Lake Superior has a little bit less zebra mussel growth. Now, I mean, that is not a little bit less, that is none.
3: That looks pristine, like it just sunk.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that it's one. Like
3: peeling on the wall.
1: Yeah, and that one was uh, it was caught in the ice and lake superior and sank in 1942 so that could even have been a photo from almost that time
3: yeah looks like they got a dx coil there on that radio in the back that's interesting for 42
1: yeah so we're, we, yeah if you're up in in a superior shipwreck diver you got to tell us if you have any zebra mussels if not we might have to make a trek up there
3: you take a look at most of the ships they talked about. I mean, other than the Bradley, which is deep and, and, uh, the Kamloops isn't, I mean, isn't real deep, but it's like, it's amazing how many of those I've seen or dove, you know, like the Cedarville. I mean, that's a nice ship. Yeah. E- easy to get to. The Normander, Normer is good. Grecian. Yeah. And, and all of them have dove that one.
1: Well, here they've got one. They listed it as Southeastern Lake, oh, Lake Michigan. Uh, I, I, I can't read tonight. Um. Uh, they're talking about the SS Michigan. That's at 250 feet.
3: Right. That's a recent one within the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All these and wrecks. It's already
3: done a nice job.
1: Yep. So yep, we, we, we knew it. Always nice to see it in, in print, though.
3: Well, I see you even talked about Andy from uh, Moby's up in yeah. Grand Rapids. Yeah. Uh, you know, the place I visited last, last year, actually, about this time and did some photos and stuff.
1: Yeah. And actually, I think Moby's this week has uh, White's uh, demo days going on. I thought I saw
3: something about them this week.
1: Yeah, I was tempted to go on up. I don't you know, I I don't know. Um and then okay, so let's go ahead before we talk about last week's dives, we have some cool scuba gear. And I don't know necessarily know how cool this is. It's interesting, but I was a little shocked at the price. I'm not
3: Thinking that's a power snorkel, I don't think it's a snorkel when it's a, you know, sucking up air, it's a compressor, it's a hookah.
1: Exactly. It, it's a hookah, but it doesn't seem to be, it, it, to me, it almost sounds like uh, they're playing around with, because with, they, I mean, a hookah rig, can, can you really use one of those and not be a certified diver?
3: Yes, I've seen people buy those. Uh, Keen Engineering has some you can buy for use for treasure hunting. Uh, most of them are using it in shallow water, but you can go down deep depending on what ties you get.
1: Yeah. They say this one is designed for two people. Uh, if you have one person using it, it can go down to 12 meters or 40 feet with two divers can do just six meters.
3: Yeah, the capacity so. of the pump is such that with one person, you're you're pretty good. Uh, that looks similar to the one Jake has. The one I took Jake out and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure he understood how it worked and how to use it in the shallow waters.
1: Yeah, yeah, because 40 it feet, runs- that's I mean that's a little deep. And uh, yeah, with all things considered, you can you can do a lot of damage at that depth.
3: Yeah, it's like hold, don't hold your breath. Hold
1: do breath. not hold your breath.
3: Uh, it'd yeah. be nice to tell somebody that.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you, you're you're down over an atmosphere. You can that's very easy to have a problem.
3: Well, just read the manual, which I'm sure everybody does, and it'll say don't don't hold your breath.
1: Yep. <laughs> okay, so that so that does it for the news.
3: No, it doesn't. Did you go what? to the light them to the bottom to the left?
1: To the left. Did I miss the,
3: one? The, the pedal-powered submarine,
1: the Scoopster. The Scoopster? Okay, so we'll go ahead and click on the Scoopster. That's cool. Uh, this was another one from Gadget View, the, the pedal-powered submarine. Yes. Um, Did you see it? French designer Rosson says wow. that the top speed is about 6 miles per hour. Anyone piling the yellow rig will be outfitted, 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 outfitted a complete scuba gear. Look for it at next year's submarine races. And this one is from June 25th, 2010. So next year's submarine races must be this year. It's oh,
3: um, a wet sub.
1: It's a wet sub. But it, with me and my condition, you know, like I, can, I might be able to get 30 minutes out of an 80. Pedaling that, I got about six minutes. <laughs>
3: Uh, just make sure you got a heavy dose of nitrox You give oh, that extra little bit of
1: yeah, I would need some of that uh yeah. that to help me,
3: well, just don't go below twenty feet and use straight O2. there
1: you go, <laughs>
3: okay, now you can do, but I thought that was neat looking
1: that that isn't that is a neat looking vessel
3: and it is yellow, and I like that so
1: yellow submarines, so that does it for the news, and then uh dive, so I wanted to get a dive in last week but it just did not work with father's day you know i fooled myself and i think if we pull up last year's episode i probably said the same thing or maybe i went and just didn't care but anyway uh got with the the fathers all all of them and uh, we had a nice weekend but didn't get any diving and did get a little bit of boating in but not any diving but i'm pretty sure you did get wet a couple times didn't you
3: well yeah I was late getting back tonight. That's why I didn't get on, because we're out in the lake.
1: Oh, did you go out with David?
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We got two dives in.
1: Oh, excellent. Where did you go?
3: Uh, we went out to the uh, structures. Okay. And uh, we were unsuccessful in relocating it, and we realized why afterwards. We did a real good job of putting the boat right over the uh, the, the structure.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But uh, the anchor was about 200 something feet away with the scope of the line. Yeah. When you went down the anchor the anchor line to the anchor that put you 200 feet away from the row, from the from the structure
1: oh so what you did is you threw the anchor where you wanted and then not you threw the anchor you ended the boat ended up at anchor at the gps coordinates
3: yeah and we realized that like afterwards uh yeah. Ryan, uh, one of the new guys, was coming down with us, and the scope of the line sort of, you know, how it sags. Uh huh. He said, "Well, his feet kicked something when he was still halfway down. So when he got to the uh, anchor, you know, he didn't think anything of it. And I wished I didn't own that because I didn't touch anything. So we yeah. did our search line, you know, did two, three sixties, and it's like I ain't finding diddly squat. Came back up and he says, "Yeah, I think I hit it on the way down because it jumps off the bottom 20 feet. Uh. And it's like son of a gun." But it was still fun. Uh, Actually, it was very nice, even for a wetsuit. 40 feet was not cold, 65 on the surface. Uh, Wasn't any kind of thermocline all the way down, so it was nice. Viz was not that great. Um, Well, when I say not that way, uh, you could see 10 feet easy.
1: Yeah, that's okay.
3: So they could could keep track of me as I was doing the the sweep. Mm -hmm. Um, But you'd you'd almost get into like an algae bloom out of nowhere. And uh, we came back up, and uh, Ryan was saying, Did you guys see that current grab me and turn me around? So he got into some kind of current out there that he said actually did him a 360. Really? Uh
0: Uh-huh.
3: I thought that was interesting uh, because I didn't see it. I mean, it didn't hit me, but I I had a little tension on my search line. So maybe I didn't, and he was maybe a couple of feet above me, hovering to the left. Last time I looked, but uh, everybody enjoyed themselves. Nobody had a safe dive. Burkel uh, was the uh, surface captain, the bubble watcher. Okay. He got out there, and that was sort of ugly. Probably two feeders, and sometimes he maybe had three foot, but the white caps were, were small white caps. So when we finished the weather started changing on us and they wanted to go out to the Havana we said nah, nah there wouldn't be a problem but the weather could turn on us and that's a small boat
1: right so
3: I said let's go back to the piers you got have it you haven't hit the north and south pier yet so we checked out the south pier you couldn't do it cuz the uh, swells were 4 foot you know how they go down and up so the visibility would have been minimal if if any and, you know, when it goes over the pier, that means it's probably a little rough there. So we went on the north side and got away from the the, the northern end of it, went to, to the first lighthouse, you know. Yep. And that was our first direction. So we went come the opposite direction. It was flat. It was really nice. And you probably had visibility.
1: Yeah, it's not too bad of visibility.
3: Nope. They really enjoyed themselves. And um, it was a profitable dive.
1: Now, you said that was yet a new diver with you?
3: Yes, Ryan. Have I met uh, Ryan? No, you have not. I met him the other night. I was diving over at um, Lake Cora. I did the SAS dive with them uh-huh. on Wednesday. And then uh, when they gave directions, half the people went one way and the other half went the other. So we wound up five on the west side and six on the east side. So Curtis took a couple of people out and I took Ryan since he was he was relatively new uh that was on wednesday so that was a really nice dive but that's the first time i had met him but he's a friend of faulkner's okay and
1: uh we won't hold that against him
3: actually no he did pretty decent um we went back out there where uh, they do their open wars at cora and uh there was uh, a real nice old very old uh wooden boat with a very interesting aft end that, that shows you how old it was it was a lot, almost like a high back chair meaning you're not going to put a motor on it um we found the trampoline out there. He was sort of pleased to see the trampoline. And yeah, the...
1: I think I've seen that high back boat. That's that's kind of there in that same area, isn't it?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've seen that. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's not a recent. Uh...
3: Oh no, that's a nice sized boat, and it is definitely unique. Uh, it does not have oh. orlock areas, uh, so that's gotta be a pretty old boat. Uh, then we uh, did find the, the, I don't know if you ever saw the sailboat on that side. It's a pretty good size sailboat because the uh, center section goes down a couple of feet. Mm-hmm. And you cannot believe the number of, of perch that were on that boat. You're talking 30, 40 easy in that one little area. And you know how I have my stainless steel prod? Yeah. Yeah stuff off the bottom, and they're all hovering around the tip of the prod saying, oh, food, food. <laughs> I could have stabbed all those suckers.
1: Now, how was the visibility at Cora? That had to have been pretty nice. That
3: was excellent. I mean, when I say excellent, you know, around here, it was very good because uh, yeah. I had him hovering, coming off on my left, watching me. I could turn around and see him anytime. So 15 to 20 feet. Uh, Richard went, did a, uh, a square compass course with the people with him. They went out to 60 feet, and he said he had an honest 20 feet at 60 feet. Good. Yep. Uh, and considering it was a very overcast, cloudy, rainy day, uh, nobody took lights, and you could still see. It was it was very nice.
1: Yeah, I, I I like Cora. Cora was a pleasant surprise the first time I I dove there. I did that one with Kirk and uh, Bob.
3: And you did do the uh, east side, right? Where you come in by the state police headquarters?
1: Yeah, the fire lane there.
3: Yes, that that's a good one. Uh, on the other side, their dive wasn't as good. Uh, they said they had visibility hand to uh, face in most most places because uh, it was shallower there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's where you are here. You go in that drop off, and you're in 20 feet real quick.
1: Yeah, I have noticed that that uh, you know because in that fire lane, every once in a while you had people swimming there, and when they're swimming going on that that shallow area has zero viz. But it clears yep. up real quick once you get out a little bit deep. And then it has that uh, kind of that life line or edge where when you get to that depth where it goes from there's stuff living to there's nothing.
3: Yes, it's very noticeable. And that's right at the next thermocline. We had two thermoclines there, one at 11 feet, one at 22 feet. Wow. I mean, noticeable, really comfortable the first one. Then you hit the next one, it's like, wow. But when you hit the the third one, it's like you can feel it around your face. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can definitely tell that. But visibility was very nice. And the weeds, the weeds there are not like pawpaw. Uh, wow. You didn't have tons of that uh, Asian milfoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did have weeds, but you had thinner variety, uh, mostly like pond weeds. And it was more sparse. So you could actually go through it. And that's where all the fish were. But it was a very good dive. Uh, Ryan did very well, and again, that's why I say he went out today with us.
1: Excellent. So yeah, we got some more divers. Now we need to get them in the Mud Club.
3: Uh, they are joining.
1: Yes. Excellent. Sold excellent. some more t-shirts. So. Yeah, that's 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 excellent. We've got uh seems like we have a little membership spree going on. Yep. And, uh, and it, go ahead. And they're young. And they're young. New blood. Yep. And uh, you don't have to be in the area to be a member of the Mud Club too. Uh, if you listen to the program and you want to join, you can head over to the Mud Club website mudclub.scubaobsessed.com and uh, join up and uh, that will get you the newsletter and information and if you f- so feel like coming to michigan we have our our steak dinner coming up so yep, it's worth steak. it just for that
3: yeah, you usually get your money back
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's that was that's a good meal and then this it's july this year so
3: yeah uh,
1: makes it a little bit easier for me so what kind of dives you got planned so you had one today you got anything pla- on the schedule coming up for the weekend?
3: Uh- well, I got an anniversary tomorrow, so I'm not diving tomorrow. Oh. Uh, they were thinking about going to the uh, the um, kind of the surface barge, the one that's off of Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's where they wanted to go. Uh, I'm more inclined to stay home. So yeah. the weather's good, and Saturday and Sunday is supposed to be pretty good. So I think we're going to go back out to the structure. since there's two identified now. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to find out about that hole in the ground that has a ladder going someplace. Yes, that's got my curiosity peaked big time. Yeah,
1: I like uh, her idea of, uh, you know, of course, you know, dive lights even better, but throw some uh, lumen sticks down that hole.
3: I'm just, I just don't understand. I haven't seen that place. I mean, I've dove there, mm-hmm. and I've got the. That I got this on that scan, but that's not the normal one we've been diving. That is not the standard.
1: Well, what's interesting is she mentioned that she saw that there was that anchor wedged under the concrete.
3: And I got thinking that's not a anchor from a boat. That's a mooring anchor for the buoy. That's when they work uh. on those, they put the jack-up barges out there.
1: Oh, so maybe the reason why everybody said that all the structures have those and they just keep misinterpreting them as an anchor.
3: Well, because the... the, the uh, line on that one as big as my wrist oh so that tells me mooring buoy
1: yeah i mean that that's your you're anchoring a hundred foot barge with crushed rock or something on it you're not yeah
3: and it looked way out of position from what i have dove before so i'm sort of curious to see that one hmm. so i, I hope you go back out saturday i'd like to do that they're sort of biting at the bit now they want to go out there and hit the uh, north, north pier but uh, a lot of fishermen from the big big uh, pier or the big tower. To mm-hmm. the end so uh, I said you can't actually go there because we interfere with them. they were there first. yep uh, they' they're anxious to get back out there now.
1: Oh I, I don't blame them that's some that's some nice diving out there.
3: Yeah, they got on the boat and it says, where'd that big case come from And raquel said, well, Mac brought that back up ten minutes after you got in. So they're and on what I found out there.
1: So what did you find?
3: i for that part. I took pictures today. There's okay. gonna to be one very pissed off fisherman out there someplace.
1: Oh okay. The, stock,
3: the biggest biggest tackle box I have ever seen. Nice. There's there, absolutely no zebras on it, and it was filled to the brim with anything you want.
1: Who So somebody dropped that one over the side. And Well,
3: he has got to be pissed. I mean, the top part must have had 30 lures that you could see from the top open surface. And then when you opened it, the back side had lures. The front side had pockets. I can't tell you how much crap is in that box. He had knives in there. He had uh, you name it, he's got it. Five and, different reels of, of, of line.
1: And no um, zebra mussels.
3: Not, no, everything was, it's, it's, it is, pristine. it's like, it couldn't have been in there a week, maybe two weeks. Oh. But um, I did go through some of the paper. Some of the paper in it was actually starting to get bad, but he still had new, New stuff in there. They're still in the boxes and in the bags. Uh, but I did find a fishing license. I can't make out the name exactly. I'm drying it now. Uh-huh. I've got the number. I'm going to try to find out who it belongs to and, and find out when he lost it back. That would be fun to do that.
1: Yeah. Because you got to figure, if, if you contact him, there's no way he would believe anybody would ever find that.
3: Well, I, there, I left the uh, fishing pole down because it was jammed, and I was running out of air, and I didn't really want to mess with it. Uh, I don't think there's a big freaking fishing nut down there. It still has fish in it. Uh, you know the type they get out there and they throw the round ones?
0: Uh-huh.
3: And they get, like, baked fish, then they pull them in? Well, it got snagged when he was pulling it in so he still had fish in it. Uh, I left that there. I started to bring that up and let the uh, guy fishing on top have it, but it was a snag hazard in that low vis, so I left it there. So after saying that, those guys are, are, let's go back. Let's go back. Huh.
1: So that tells me that he uh, he had a bad day.
3: <laughs> oh yes, he did. Yes, he did. I bet he had a few words to say when he dumped that in.
1: Oh, yeah. Probably one of those things where he's probably close to himself falling in if he had that going.
3: I don't know. It's like I wouldn't allow something that big and that expensive to get that close to the edge.
1: Oh, well, I agree.
3: But uh, it'd be nice. I'm, I'm really going to try to find the owner because that would be so much fun to give that back to him.
1: Oh, that would be. That'd be neat. Got to get a photo. Have him pose. Uh. <laughs> So but anyway,
3: hopefully this weekend we'll try to either get back out on the big lake. Uh I got a friend from, from the old days who's interested in getting back in uh getting wet this year. I got a couple of his tanks in the garage trying to uh get some place I can get hydros done cheap. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I get on the lake I will. If not, I'm gonna take him out to uh one of the lakes I tried out last week, uh-huh. uh, Comstock area or uh, Fort Custer. Mm-hmm. He can actually have visibility. Yeah, at least 15 to 20 feet. So I thought I'd take him out there and let him get where he could see something.
1: Yeah, so excellent. So I got some good dives playing, and I, I'm going to have to figure out something for this weekend. I need to. I got everything filled, ready to go, and just everything hasn't aligned. So, but it's it's great time if you're out there and you got some good diving opportunities don't miss it this is this is a summer
3: oh yeah uh, it's june
1: yeah. this is june, june june yeah and we're coming up you know yet the following weekend is beginning of the fourth of july week weekend and to me that summer's almost over by that time
3: <laughs> i know i hate to say that but it's true i'm yeah. still looking forward to sheboygan though i'm i am oh yeah uh, now are both you guys going to go to sheboygan this year
1: yeah the gym doesn't want to give up a work day <laughs> So it might be 444, and we drag race down there or up there. But
3: he, he did plan on taking his boat this year, right?
1: I think he did. What I might do is see you – know, I want to wait for him, but darn it. I want to get some – diving in
3: well they they are buoying the uh wrecks over in duncan bay for us so we don't have to do that this year okay uh, also uh buoying some of the local wrecks around sheboygan so that'll minimize us having to do it ourselves. meaning we'll be able to find it with the coordinates a lot easier mm-hmm. so that should be an incentive because you know the the wreck him and josh went on last year yeah that was only like for uh 50 to 60 feet and that looked like a you know, that's actually a shipwreck.
1: Right. Oh, that's beautiful. If you
3: do a few more like that, you, you'd sort of be crazy not to go up because even if you didn't want to do grubbing dives, you're going to have some good wreck diving. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, that was just a great time. So, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, I know I kept my expectations low, but it, it is really nice. I'm out. I'm ready for this next year.
3: Yeah, well, I'm trying to get Dave and them to uh, go up, too, because having a boat really facilitates getting around there. I mean, yeah, we can dive the river, and that's what I intend to do myself. And But again, for newbies, that Duncan Bay, you can't beat it. You really cannot. No. Talk about safe dives. And then getting on the false clay or the Barnum. Those are all relatively shallow, but they look like wrecks and they are wrecks. Start out with something like that. It's going to keep them into the sport.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, we'll we'll put that up we'll, as we get closer to the. You can get over the mud club and you can see what dates we're going up and. Yeah, it'll be a big party.
3: It always is. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new place this year because I'm definitely going to have a big bonfire out in that pit. And I'm going to have my darn marshmallows this year. (laughs) Well, that's great. And you guys Uh, to be there.
1: I'm going to be there one way or the other. Uh, I got to map out my vacation time for the rest of the year. But that's one of them that's going to be on there. Try and get some, some time in for that. Well, I think we've just about done it for another week.
3: Well, when you guys get ready to go uh, diving, if you start to do that yourself this weekend, let me know. Uh, You can tag with us. Okay. Uh, We're on the boat. i got to check and find out who all he's got on board. But uh, Mm -hmm. if we do a a shore dive, you're more than happy to come with us.
1: Great. So what we'll do is we'll finish up with that dreaded time of the program again, the bad scuba joke.
3: It's not dreaded. It's the most looked forward part of the show.
1: Uh, I can think so. And uh, this one is a stretch to call it a scuba joke, but I think everybody's going to, uh, I don't know, appreciate it. Kind of like you appreciate Limburger cheese.
3: Okay, I don't particularly appreciate Limburger, so let's
1: eat that one. Okay, so there's this husband and wife, and they're both scuba divers. The wife, Sarah, was reading a newspaper while her husband was engrossed in a magazine. Suddenly, she burst out laughing. Listen to this, she says. There's a classified ad where this guy is offering to swap his wife for season tickets to the stadium. Hmm, her husband said, not looking up from his magazine. Teasing him, Sarah said, would you swap me for a season ticket? Absolutely not, he says. How sweet, she says. Tell me why not. Season's more than half over.
3: <laughs> and so is his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that, that's usually followed by the thumbing of a cast-iron pan to the back of the head. So, no? go ahead. That wasn't too bad. That no, wasn't too bad, okay. It was kind of a stretch. I don't know if you called that much of a scuba joke, but uh, I, I, I decided I had to tell that one. Until next week, go out there and get
2: wet.
3: And stay safe. So how many people did you have out there tonight? Oh no, don't tell me I did that. No,
1: you got the of everything, huh? I'm trying to find my uh, recorder. <laughs> there it is. I-